Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Fight Night with Adam Catterall on TalkSport. Uh, welcome to Fight Night with me, Adam Catterall. In the studio with me this week, the coolest man in boxing. The entertainer himself. We thought we'd bring a little bit of bit of fun and a bit of frolics to the show. Johnny Nelson, welcome, sir. You're making me blush. You're making me blush. Stop it. Well, you are cool. You you've got the baseball cap on. You have got the <laughs> holiday beads on round your ankle, around right. the wrist. There, mate. You're looking good. Looking good. Midlife crisis. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are in a lull at this moment in time when it comes to the world of boxing. Not a lot of fights to necessarily get stuck into, but the new season is on its way, so we're quite excited about that. Uh, and therefore, we've got some headlines to get stuck into. Here they are. The big headlines. Uh, from this week are these. On last week's show, we announced that AJ is going back to Wembley in September and April next year. Uh, The September date now confirmed, taking on his mandatory of Alexander Povetkin. A potential banana skin on the road to becoming undisputed. Myself and Johnny will discuss that uh, in a moment or two. The second one. We are proud to announce that on TalkSport, we continue our live coverage of the biggest nights in boxing. Dillian White versus Joseph Parker is coming up on the 28th of July. Make sure you come and join us here on TalkSport. Live and exclusive commentary. Uh, The third big story of the week is a little bit of a different one. Because England have been knocked out. That's right, I thought we'd try and loosely connect some football to this show as well. Uh, Very disappointing, obviously, uh, seeing England uh, lose their semi-final against the Croatians, but they're out of the World Cup, uh, knocked out in the semi-finals. Uh, Let's talk heavyweights. Let's talk Wembley Stadium. 90,000 people, and then hopefully by next April, 100,000 people, Johnny. It's crazy numbers. Um, and I think it's just confirmation that we're living through a golden age of British British boxing, especially. We are, and you know, back in the day, everybody said you had to go to America to get the big, to go for the big shows, the big fights, you know, the big money. But that's not the case anymore, mm. and, and and it's been proven uh, over and over again. Frotch uh, uh, grows. Uh, then he went up to to AJ down at the AJ down at Wembley. Can I just uh, point something out here, right? My my producer Matt has never been to Wembley to watch boxing. He needs a slap. Doesn't he? He needs he's a He's the boxing slap. editor of TalkSport and he's not been to Wembley. He needs a right slap. Doesn't listen, it? the atmosphere, listen, I, I, anybody that knows me knows I'm not mad, a mad football fan, but I went to Wembley uh, the day before they did, uh, was it Frost Groves? 
uh, 80,000 people. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and and I couldn't b- not believe the atmosphere of the empty, empty stadium. And then it, when, it, when it was fight night and mm. Anthony Josh, actually boxed on the undercard, it was unbelievable. Mm. And then when AJ boxed Vladimir, I could not believe it. I've never been in such a, an environment, an atmosphere. It's second to none. It's not like, like watching a lot of footballers run about the pitch. You've got, you're there for one purpose, one purpose yeah. alone. That The fans, that they make it, even even before uh, the event, it's it's something that you could never replicate anywhere. Mm. And uh, it's, a, it's I, a weird feeling. Obviously, you would you'd um, go to Wembley in a limo, mate, but me, <laughs> me getting up there on the tube and what have you. Just the just the, the different demographics of people and what have you, different age groups, different sexes on the tube buzzing up towards the stadium. Well, it's that, absolutely crackers. That tells you that he's now gone across the board. It's not just yeah, boxing fans. Yeah, yeah. Course, it's not yeah. just boxing fans. It's grandmas and and grandkids and yeah, yeah, is. going it to watch is. something, and they they might they might not know anything about boxing, but he's just like Anthony Joshua, yeah. just like this particular fight. Yeah, yeah. And so that's I think. Eddie Hearn has managed to tap into that, uh, uh, but but you've got to put it down to the individuals that are the entertainment, mm. as in Anthony Joshua, and, mm. and right now Anthony Joshua's managed to, to to say he's going to be boxing at Wembley twice, and and do the fans really care who he's fighting, I don't or think do they just want to see who he's fighting, well, uh, yeah. to see, see him fight? So uh, that's that's our sport. I think he could do the tickets, you know, just with his name on it, yeah. without naming an opponent as of yet. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's a tricky time because I know they're talking September and boxing goes quiet over August time. So we'll see. Uh, I think the crowds, the numbers will tell because they, uh, when boxing goes quiet over, because you, you, you usually build it up slowly but yeah. surely, build up momentum. So I, I think when it comes to September time, it sells out. We'll know your selling part is, mm. is AJ. But originally, going back to my point was, you know, when, when I boxed and before that, they said, if you want the big fights, you've got to go to America. That's no longer the case. Mm. And that's the argument with, with AJ and, and Wilder. He's saying, well, why would I come over to America? It's, it's here. You come here. And I get that. I mm. do get it now. The big money's here. Uh, the, the attraction's here. When I speak to, to fighters from all over the world, they want to come to England because the fights are here. So America's got to suck it up, buttercup, and uh, swallow it and just one of those things. <laughs> um, well, it's not going to be wilder in September. Fingers crossed it might be April. It might not be April, but we'll talk about that a little bit later on the show. But um, September's going to be Povetkin. Yeah, it's no easy fight, that mate. Is it? It's a proper, it's a proper fight. Not at all. And we're all getting giddy and excited, like we did about the the football thinking. You know, England's going to be yeah, yeah. in the final, and and and, because, and we get excited thinking it's it's just a done deal. This Povetkin fight is not a done deal. This Povetkin fight is a massive banana skin. This Povetkin fight, this guy is only lost one fight, and that's to Vladimir. 30, 33 fights it is. This guy can punch. Mm-hmm. This guy wants to get up close and personal and get involved in a tear-up. He's schooled. Uh, he's ambitious still uh, at the age he's at. And so, so to me, I think this is probably one of AJ's at the top three fights, and one of his top toughest top three fights. Mm. So do not be surprised... Do not be surprised if we are shocked AJ gets put down. This guy can fight. Mm. Uh, and so, to me, it's, it's, it's something that's got to be done. And I think that proves, this will prove AJ belongs in the position he's at. You mm. know, I know, I know he, he had the, the Vladimir fight. People were saying, yeah, yeah, great fight, but Vladimir was X, Y, Z. This, to me, proves AJ de- deserves mm. to be where he is. And there's only a few champions in the world that actually believe they're the best in the world. Mm. Uh, and and to me, this will... To me, this will Right, Anthony Joshua thing. You know what? He always says, "I'm humble. Uh, I'm not the finished article. I'm learning." Uh, I actually think for 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 AJ, he, uh, he this will be a great fight for him, confidence wise and everything. Mm. It's going to be interesting to see who, what, who the referee is for that now. Because if you remember, if we take you back to the Joseph Parker fight, mm. Parker's Parker needed to get on the inside of that jab and onto 
um, AJ's chest in order to start causing a bit of bother. And every time he tried to do it, the ref was, uh, in my opinion, just a little bit hasty yeah. in splitting him up. Spoiled it. He spoiled it. He spoiled, yeah. he spoiled what could have been a, a, a nice uh, nice ingredient of a fight. And, but Povetkin's uh, going to need to do the same. He's going to need to get in on that chest if he's going to cause AJ yeah, some bother. And, and, and listen, I don't think it was, it wasn't it wasn't uh, unnoticed by, by most people, the referee's uh, uh, um, uh, conduct. And I'm quite sure for Povetkin's people will do the same. They'll mm. say, right, we do not want that referee. We and they, they have a say in regards to yeah, what yeah. they don't want. Um so uh, I'm I'm quite sure they've done the homework on that. Mm. Tactics wise, do you think AJ maybe laid a little bit of a, a blueprint down in the Parker fight of how he might be approaching his fights coming up, stick people on the end of the job? No, no, not at all, because I, I spoke to him afterwards and he said he was actually what he did was he was listening to a lot of people like me saying Parker's fast he's this that enough so he's very cautious he was said I was very cautious he kept on a jab he said but you know what I didn't have to do that I'm just gonna go in and smash him next time I thought <laughs> I like your attitude <laughs> uh, so he can fight AJ and each fight he's having to having to learn something and adjust something about his arsenal so now he knows what he can do he knows what he's capable of he's capable of boxing we saw that in a Parker fight he's capable of punching we've seen that in numerous fights yeah. he's capable of fighting up close and personal we saw that when he boxed why so now he's thinking right let me off the leash I want to do what I want to do. And I think we're going to see a different breed mm. uh, of, of Anthony Joshua, especially in his next two fights, if, if they are, if, if the one of them includes Wilder. Because mm. he's got a, he's got, it's down to him mm. how he beats Wilder. There's no blueprint to beating Wilder. So uh, so uh, he, that attitude, he needs to, to put it into action now. Is your, is your gut feeling, uh, feeling that it will be Wilder in April? Yes, it is. I, I personally do think so. I, uh, I was actually speaking to Eddie this week, and Eddie said, we've got a contract. We've signed it. We're going to send it over to to to, um, uh, to wireless people. So they can't say it's not being signed, it's this, that and the other. It's sent there, it's front of him with AJ's signature on uh, for April next year. That's what we're hoping to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there's no reason. He has no reason to say, I ain't got no contract. You've not sent me X, Y, Z. It's there in black and white. So, uh, and, uh, and Wilder wants his fire. Wilder was prepared to take a call. Wilder was prepared, and Wilder's done everything possible uh, to, to try and stoke this fight up. So now for Wilder, he... Um, Does he have to put pressure on his team to say, listen, just let me take the fight? Yeah, yeah. But listen, the, the problem with our game is most fighters want to, each, want to fight each yeah, other. Of course. They listen to the heart. Uh, the promoters listen to the head. Uh, and so so it's it's business against pleasure. That is their job though, isn't it? To yeah, get the best their, for their man. That's their job. So it's the politics or politics of our <laughs> game that mess it up. Um, so uh, both fighters really do want it. So it doesn't matter what Park, uh, it doesn't matter what Wilder's saying, it doesn't matter what AJ's saying, they both want the fight. You speak to them per, on a personal level, you know they want the fight. Mm-hmm. The business side of it is the problem. Um, once we can nail down the business side of it, iron it out, then we'll see. Mm. If anything, I mean, a lot of fans obviously were disappointed that it isn't going to be September for Wilder. But if anything, just putting a little bit of marinade on it for another six months kind of heightens it another touch, doesn't it? It does. It does. Just as long think, as they come through uh, the as next fight, as long as they of keep course. winning, you know, this this is going to be a great dance stand uh, dance off. Um, as long as they keep winning, uh, there's, there's no reason why this fight can never take place. But they don't want it to, to boil over for too long because people are yeah. losing interest. Think it's, they don't want to get excited about it. But as long as they both keep winning, that's winning their next fight. Yeah, that's just winning the next fight. There's no reason why this fight will not be as big, if not bigger, come April. And do you think the only thing that is currently missing from this heavyweight mix-up is those rematches, those trilogies? Because if you look down the years, 
all the greats. Yeah. They all fought each other on multiple occasions. Yeah, they did. And there's no reason why these two can't there's go no, at it again. There's no reason at all because these two, these two are young, they're ambitious, they can punch, they're exciting. Uh, we, we've seen that down the line. We were expecting we're expecting White against yeah. uh, uh, AJ again soon yeah, yeah, yeah. at some point. Uh, so uh, there's no reason that White couldn't happen and he still sell either way. Mm. And in either country as well. I know in that obviously you country, were just yeah. uh, talking about that all the all the play is here in the in the UK, but there is a massive pay per view market over in the States and it will, it will be actually nice for I, AJ to go because there will always be a question, won't there? Yeah. If he doesn't go to the States, there'll always be a you question. You know what? I, I actually agree with AJ uh, because you don't have to go to the States anymore. They've got to get it get over it. Get over it. Yes, it wants a place to be. Yes, it was the mecca boxing. That's where the dough is. But, if but you, as a lad growing up, did you not just want to fight in Vegas? Did yeah, you not just yeah, want to fight at Madison because, Square and, Garden? And that's what, that's what we're geared. That's what we're programmed to yeah, understand. Yeah, yeah. But you go out into America. Boxing's like down the tier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in, in, and that's why a lot of American ex-fighters like Tyson, like like Jones, right, Jones, X, Y, Z, they come here to do after-dinner events. And they say, look, we're loved more here yeah. than we are in, the, in our own country yeah, yeah. because they look at boxing and they, they, they don't really appreciate it. When when Wilder boxed Ortiz out in, uh, in, uh, in New York... Um, I uh, I can remember uh, being there, and, and only people inside the arena knew what was going on in New York. Someone didn't even know who he was, so I thought, you know what, boxing. Eddie's trying to take a, a platform over to the U uh, to the US that works over here, mm. and uh, and and hopefully it will work over there. But at the moment in time, I actually believe this is the place to be. Mm. Uh, well, we've got another cracking uh, heavyweight matchup coming up in the uh, in the next couple of weeks between Dillian White and Joseph Parker. Oh my Parker. goodness, that's going to be a good one. It is going to be a crack. Yeah, we've got that live on Talk Sports, so make sure you come and join us for that. We're going to talk about it next right here on Fight Night uh, with me, Adam Catterall and Johnny Nelson. <laughs> You listen to Fight Night on TalkSport 2 with me, Adam Catterall. Hope you are well. Johnny Nelson's with me in the studio, uh, and we will both be ringside in a couple of weeks. Uh, one for TalkSport, one for Sky. Yep. Um, celebrating a really good matchup. Yes, I know there's no trinket on the line here, but, <laughs> but we're getting to that point now in boxing where titles on the line don't necessarily matter. It's just, let's just get two lads in the ring that's no, that we know is going to provide some tremendous entertainment. Dillian White, Joseph Parker, I think he's going to be an absolute cracker. I think I think this fight is going to be better than the AJ fight uh, with Parker. I think uh, Dillian White is actually going to do a better job. Uh, and I'm a massive, listen, I'm, I'm Edge's friend, I'm Dillian's friend, but I just think styles make fights. Mm. Uh, and I think Parker will be fast, Parker will be busy, but I think White reminds me of an old uh, Joe Fraser. He reminds me of Joe Fraser. Yeah. He just wants to fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No no fancy Dan. He just wants to fight. And he'll hunt you down and look for you. And and, 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 and Parker, I can remember when we filmed the gloves are off. It, I just started laughing because part, I, we were sat down before we started filming. Parker's, I was sat down with, with White and we were talking about the last time he was there and with, with uh, Doge Chazora yeah, and what yeah. happened. And, and White came and, and, and Parker came and sat down in the three-piece suit. He's getting mic'd up and everything. And so I saw Dylan look across at him. So he started to tell me the story of what happened behind the scenes. Uh, if you know what happened behind the scenes. Yeah. yeah. So uh, It was nasty. Yeah, it was nasty. <laughs> so he started to tell me the story. Obviously, Parker had no idea about this story. And uh, and then adding to it, he said, I actually sent mes- a message to, 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 to Derek and said, look, I've got a ba- bag of money. You bring a bag of money. Let's meet on this wasteland. You bring two mates. I'll bring my Doberman dogs. Let's duke it out. I'm like, Parker sat there as if to say, what the hell is going on <laughs> What here? am I getting into? Yeah, so this is mind game. <laughs> then we started, started the filming it and straight away, uh, 
then I stuck into him. He said, you're a coward. You let yourself be. And I thought, oh my goodness. So mentally, at the moment, I think Dylan has the edge, mentally. Uh, I think he's he's got to talk Parker into wanting to get involved in a smash it with him. Yeah. Uh, but this is a fight he doesn't have to take, and that's what I'm saying. That's why he reminds me of Fraser. He just wants to fight. Yeah. The thing the thing about Dylan because there was so many. Is he going to go down an IBF route because he was obviously uh, mandated to maybe fight Kubrat Pulev? Yeah. Is he going to be because he's obviously the WBC number one? Who's who's he going to fight next in order to get himself into uh, contention for a world title? And then the Joseph Parker fight comes totally out of yeah. left left field. And I know that Eddie's working extremely hard to maybe make this a, a situation where he can be propelled into maybe fighting AJ again mm. uh, next. But again, just the attitude of going, I don't care. Let's just have it. He's a former world champion. This will give me my uh, my bragging rights, my statement. Uh. If, <laughs> if, if I chin him, then that, you know what I mean? That, that propels me to next in line, surely. Uh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. And that's why he doesn't want to hang about. Uh, but business says, hang about, wait, you'll get your opportunity, you deserve, you're the next But that's spot. not in his blood. But it's not in his genes, and mm. he can't do that, and that's why people will be in his ear saying, look, wait, 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 you know, you don't want to take the risk. He's saying, I don't care, I just want to fight. Mm. Get me a fight. Uh, and he makes sure every fight means something. And so... Do you think that type of attitude has made him loved even more by the British public? Just just his attitude of going, I don't care who it is, just stick yeah. him in and that, I'll have and a go. The, the, British, the British public get it. Because he's turned people's opinion, yeah, massively, 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 yeah. You know, and 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 he's done a great job because he is what he is. He's the kind of guy that I prefer to eat at McDonald's than than I don't know, one of those big massive posh restaurants. Yeah, in London. yeah, yeah. That's what he's like. And he said, I, I I don't want that stuff. I don't want the the razzmatazz. And and you speak to him and you just smile. I think, wow, you know what? I I like you. He reminds me of my older brother. Uh, uh, who passed away a, a couple of years ago and he was just, just like him could cause trouble in an empty room um, uh, <laughs> but he's just, so likeable you, yeah. you spend any m amount of time with him you can't help but like it, him I'll tell you what it is if you, if you said something about him that he thought was untrue and negative yeah. he'll hunt you down yeah he will and he'll want to front you out yeah. right? so the worst thing you can do is run you stand there and talk to him about it and he'll say alright fair enough that's your opinion and he's basically saying, look, I'm a man's man. Say what you've got to say to my face. I'll say it to you. Yeah, yeah. And that's what it is. You've got to get him. You've got to understand him. Uh, and it, with that, you think, I respect that. At least you know where you are with him. Mm. No, he, uh, you, listen, he's done many, many shows and he's done many shows with you as well. And he is just straight talking because there's many times where I've maybe said something that he just didn't, he either didn't agree with or it wasn't on his page and he, he was going in a different direction and he'd stop the show and go, hang on a minute. I, 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 I want to go back to that original point that you just said about me, which is, you can't blame a guy for that because like you say, he is extremely black and white. There's no grey area with him at all, is yeah, there? Not at all, not at all. And I like that. Mm. And with this fight with uh, with Joseph Parker, I kind of like Joseph Parker's attitude as well of wanting to take this fight because he, he, he could have been excused of coming off the back of the AJ fight and losing his world title for taking a nice little, just an easy one to get himself mm. back in the mix, but he's thrown himself straight back into the lines then. He's going into Dillian's backyard at the O2 um, because he wants to get straight back into world title contention. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. And uh, and I just think, uh, I just think, you know, I like that. He's 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 a man's man. He's a fighter's fighter. And you just think, you know, he's a promoter's nightmare because he won't behave himself, keep still, and, and he just wants to think, no, mm. I, I want to do this. Mm. Uh, regarding the uh, the whole card, uh, because I know that that's the main attraction and a lot of people will be coming out for that because we can't see that going 12 rounds, can we? No. The main one. No. <laughs> Somebody's going over no. at some point. Um, but we've also got another cracking heavyweight uh, contest uh, on there. Derek Chisora 
against Carlos Takam. Derek, for me... That's a right fight. That it's is a, a great fight, yeah. It's a good fight. For, for me, Derek's one of those guys, he, he needs some needle in the fight to get the very, very best out of him. And I don't, I don't know whether it's in this fight for him, even oh, though on paper it looks amazing. It's an amazing fight, but you've got to look at Takam. Takam's a tough piece. Very he's tough, a tough yeah. unit. He needs a fringe world, heavy, world heavyweight fighter. So, so Derek has got any more ambitions uh, about his career in boxing. He needs to win this fight. Mm. There's no two ways about it. Mm. Um, because where does he go from there? Back down to the domestic level? I don't think. I don't don't think that's in Derek's uh, uh, nature. Uh, but I do think you know what this will be a great fight. Mm. Uh, again, you know, if you if you like your boxing, get there early mm. because Takam tough unit. Derek, tough unit. Uh, it's who's fresh, who's, who's fresh out the two, who's got a, as much ambition out the two. Mm. Where does Derek go if he wins? Um, uh, could you see him um, uh, fighting White? You never know. That could happen I mean, the again. first fight was brilliant. Between yeah, the, two, first, like, the first, first fight was a cracker. Do you see uh, him possibly getting in with AJ? I don't, I don't ever no, see, no, no, I don't no, ever I don't see so. that. No. Uh, so he's just thinking, right, I'll be a gatekeeper. Get through me. You know, I'll give you a gig, and I think you get paid well for doing that, though. Yeah, you get paid get, well. Get paid, get yeah, paid yeah. handsomely. But I don't think money's his god in boxing. No. I think he's made enough money, so he's all right. Mm. Uh, your boy Kilbrook uh, back out. He was absolutely fantastic against Rubchenko uh, uh, when he when he, mm. when he returned in Sheffield. Mm. Blew him away in a couple of rounds. Everybody wants Kel and Amir Khan at some point, don't they? Um, so another opportunity for Kel to impress uh, on this card at the O2. Yeah, for Kel, uh, I, I think he wants to get a crack at the world title again. Obviously, we're all talking about him and Amir Khan. Um, I think that he's got to put that to the back of his mind and think, right, campaign at light middle. Mm. You know, if the Khan fight comes off, it comes off. Uh, uh, Kyle can, Kel can fight. It's about keeping him home and keeping him ambitious. Mm. Um, my favourite female fighter, I think it's everybody's fe favourite female fighter in Katie Taylor. She's uh, back on the, uh, doing her business as well. For those that have never seen her live, it is a... Do you know something? The first time you see her perform live, it takes your breath away with how good she is. Yeah, yeah. Completely takes your breath away. Brilliant, brilliant. And I just think, wow. You know, I just think, you know what? And I mean... It's not about male, female. It's no, about, no, no. She's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's good. You're just like blown away. Mm. Uh, blown away. I think she's very skillful. She's got it on point. Top, top draw. Um, how does Conor, Conor Ben uh, uh, approach his fight, his rematch fight here? Because the first time at the Your Call, uh, we were all sat there absolutely amazed. He was on his backside twice. Well, well he, that was about character. He showed character. Yeah, yeah. He showed, uh, he showed uh, uh, heart. He, he, was, he was very lucky. Uh, and now, you know, if there was any mistakes made, then he'd be addressed. And this could be a career breaker because if he can't get through this guy, yeah. then it shows his limitations. But how do you approach it? If you've had a tear up like that yeah. and it's been a, I mean, the crowd are probably salivated at the opportunity of maybe seeing another one like that. But from Connor's point of view, you box this time, don't you? Yeah, you box. You don't you, scrap. Yeah, you don't scrap. No, you box fight. Boxing, 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 bang, boxing, boxing, boxing. If you keep going in and slamming someone, he knows what to expect. Yeah. You've got to be sneaky. You've got to be crafty. You've seen the development of Conor over the years where his boxing's improved a hell of a lot. Mm. Um, so now what he's got to do is he's got to... Um, He's going to box and be cute, be smart. Don't be thinking about entertainment. No, no, forget Just win that. the fight. He's got to be selfish. He's got to yeah. be completely selfish. Mm. Um, one of my favourite fighters, um, who is still relatively, uh, what people will class as a novice in the professional game, esteemed amateur, uh, an Olympian, is uh, Mr. Boatsy. Absolutely love this geezer. Every time I see him fight, I just fall in love with the movement. <laughs> he looks amazing when he's in there, doesn't he? And he's got a real cracker against uh, Ricky Summers on here, mate. And uh, I know that Eddie's got plans to take him over to the States, a part of this DAZN yeah. deal and what have you. I think they'll love him over there. Yeah. He talks the talk. 
He walks the walk. At some point, mate, he's going to be challenging for the big honours, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Uh, without a doubt. And I just, I smile uh, because I just think it's good to see the development of these fighters coming through. Mm. It's good to see how, how they grow. And it's good to, you know, once the opportunity comes, I'm quite sure uh, he's going to make the most of it. Uh, where, where do you put him in that light heavyweight mix? Because I know Frank Bullione's on this card as well. I don't think he's got an opponent as of yet, but Frank's been there at British title level. There's some good talent at light heavyweight, isn't yeah, but, there? But, but what I'd say, he's one that you think there's something special about him. Mm. You see, you see fighters old and new, like just just they mesmerise by what they see. His movement, his 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 his, his position, and his his, his combination is fantastic. Oh, isn't it? he's top draw. Uh, he's so level headed at yeah. this stage in his career. So I just think to myself, you'll do well. You'll do really, really well. And uh, again, people have, have have said he's like a young Evander Holyfield. Uh, that's a massive, massive isn't compliment. Yeah. And he's heard that himself. And I think domestically, he's the man. Mm. Uh, I think domestically, the other guys at this level. They they probably need to try and find a different path until it, you know, if they've got a fight, make sure it's worth something. Mm. Another Olympian in Anthony Fowler is also on that card as well. Uh, Scouser uh, did extremely well in the amateurs. I mean, I could sit here all day talking about the amount of things that he won as an amateur. And we're going to have a little bit of a conversation in a minute about turning over. At what point is the right time to turn over mm. from amateurs uh, to the program? Um, for Anthony, you could still tell that he's. Um, I mean, he's going to be exciting. I don't think he's in dull fights because. He is a little bit raw, and he, he does leave himself a little bit open for a, for a knock. But you could tell that he's learning with Dave, and every time I do see him, he, there, there are steps to improvement. Yeah. So Anthony Fowler's the kind of guy that emotionally he's as emotionally charged uh, and invested in a fight as he is physically. Yeah. Now sometimes you've got to try and check your emotions because that can get you in trouble. And Dave's Dave's job is to calm him down, make him be a bit more calculated and cold in what he's doing. His rawness has 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 got him through the amateurs, made him a good amateur. His rawness has, has got him to sex, the success has got him got him yeah. at the moment. So now Dave's got to Dave's trying to calm his thinking down because you don't want to get it beginning involved in wars at this stage now because at this stage now you want to be sharpening up your tools getting good at what you can do uh, being smart with what you can do yeah yeah and because when it comes to the bigger fights uh the, the more experienced fighters that's when you need it in the tank that's when you need to learn from all the experiences and all your lessons and put it into practice uh so for him uh i think i think the union with dave i don't think we'll see the benefits of it for about probably 12, 18 months, mm. and then we'll see. see mm. uh, we're going to continue a conversation about amateurs turning over uh, because uh, John Doherty has just signed a professional agreement with uh, uh, with Matchroom. His young Scott did extremely well in the Commonwealth Games, but he's made a decision to go now rather than wait for the Olympics. Uh, we'll talk to Johnny about that next. You listen to Fight Night. <laughs> This is a fight night on TalkSport 2 with me, Adam Catterall. Johnny Nelson's with me in the studio. Now, I think we, uh, if you're a boxing fan, I'm sure you'll agree that uh, amateur boxing, professional boxing, two technical different sports. Um, but the guys from the amateurs, at some point, make that big decision to go into the programme to see if they can make a living out of this game. Uh, John Doherty's done, just done the exact same thing. He did extremely well at the Commonwealth Games, picking up uh, a bronze in Australia, and he's decided to go pro. He's signed with Matchroom. Probably the right people to be signing up, <laughs> up to, if I'm honest. Uh, but at what point is the right point for um, a young professional to make that decision, to come out of the amateur game and go into the pro game? Because 
He's got an opportunity there, maybe to stick on for another two years and go to the Olympics, but he's decided not to. He's decided to go probably because he wants to earn a few quid. Wants to earn a few quid. Uh, wants about appetite as well. It's about hunger. It's about uh, making sure you stay fresh. We start with Katie Taylor. The yeah. back end of her amateur career, she started to get a little bit flat, a little bit bored. Turned pro. Wow. All of a sudden it changed. Her appetite grew again. That's a good one, Matt, because uh, how many things did she win as an amateur? And maybe because it became a little bit monotonous for yes. her, it was like... Yeah, and, 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 and some and freshness. That's, that's the same with a few few of the amateurs, top amateurs. You think, nah, I need I need more drive. I need I need more goals. I more, need more success. So um, I just think for uh, for him to do that, I think it's the right time. It's about him. It's about his drive and ambition. It's not what we think. It's mm. not about if we think it's too early or too late. It's about how successful he wants to be. Mm. Um, and so so for him, I think it's the right move. He'll uh, um, actually have easier fights as a pro for the first half a dozen yeah. fights than he will in the amateurs. Yeah, yeah. He'll uh, actually uh, uh, be, actually be more beneficial to him now turning pro because uh, can you imagine if he boxes for another champ in another championship in the amateurs and loses? He drops yeah. his stock. Yeah. Now he's leaving on a high, thinking I'm leaving at the right time. Mm. I remember in the in the years before Sheffield and the institute <laughs> that we've got up there, it became a necessity to to turn pro in order to, like you say, make a living out of this. Yeah. Whereas a lot of these amateur guys now and girls that are part of Team GB, they've got fantastic um, funding from the government, fantastic sponsorship deals and various things like that. So it can kind of, if they do have amateur ambitions to go to the Olympics and go to the Commonwealth Games and all that type of it's stuff, easy and win to stay. it's easy to stay in order to achieve those things. Yeah, it's easy, but it also gives them that, 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 that cushion to say, I don't think I'm going to not do very well as a pro. I don't want to take the risks. So I'm on. I'm all right here. I'm getting decent money. I'm comfortable. To me, it, it's it, it just to me. It tells me that it tells me of their ambitions because when you get to the stage where you think it's time to turn pro now and you stick for the safety aspect of getting what they get in each year in the amateurs, or do they take the risk and turn pro and mm. leave that cushion, that safety cushion? Uh, I think um, I think for them, I think it's good on them. You know, I think I think they should should make the decision what, what works for them. Mm. Uh, it's about what they how successful they think they'll be as the amateur. I was a terrible amateur. Mm. as a better pro than amateur. Some amateurs and that's why how, is that though? Because you because like what we said at the start there, the two the two different sports really. One's point scoring, yeah. and there's other ways to win when you become a pro. Yeah, exactly. So when you're in the amateurs, it's about pace. It's about uh, it's about and I mean it's a high tempo pace, and so so. I could wind you up and send you out there for three rounds and you, you could, you'd could you have more energy than me. But down the line, if you're talking six rounds, eight rounds, 10 rounds, 12 yeah. rounds, that's when it's down to skill as well as uh, fitness, as well as pace. That suited me. I'm like a baby giraffe. I'm all arms and legs. Um, uh, so so it did, amateurs, I hated it. I hate the amateurs. I just thought, and that's why people can't understand. How can you have have 13 amateur fights and only win three and then retire and only field world, the World Cruiserweight Champion? Mm-hmm. And it's just that's you, you, it's not very often you get good amateurs that make good professionals. Uh, well, look we, at Audley. Look yeah, at Audley. I mean, exactly. tremendous amateur, exactly. but just didn't transcend. Exactly. So, so you're either one or the other. And if you if you're good at both, that means you're outstanding. Uh, that means you you did something special about you. Anti Joshua's the, the, the Lomachenko, yeah, Lomachenko, like yeah, yeah, people like that. So, but it's all, they're, they're, few, they're very few and far between. Mm. It, like I said though, back when you were turning over. Um, the the opportunities in the amateur game maybe were a lot less than what the current crop yeah. are, are, are currently um, experiencing. I mean, I know that obviously you, I think, were fully aware that you were probably better suited to the professional mm. game. Would, is that the thing that made the decision for you, or was it a case of listen, if I'm going to make a do out of this, I've got to turn pro in order to make a make a few quid? Um, 
I, I think did I think long term? Uh, I probably thought I didn't enjoy the amateurs. Mm. I didn't enjoy it at all. When it came to the pros, then it was like an adventure. I thought, wow, this is different. It was a still still the same fear. It was still the same nerves. Yeah, but it was different. And and in and, what way? Because you knew that you could get people down the stretch, or what? Uh, yeah, I could get them down the stretch. Down the stretch, it suited me. Yeah, I yeah. just thought I didn't have enough time for that little sprint, and so so I felt more comfortable with it. Uh, and I, I knew that I knew I was fit. I knew I knew that I could I, I, I would I would outlast a lot of people. But in in a short burst, nah, it wasn't mm. gonna happen. Um, so so to me, I just think uh, uh, that's the difference. Uh, and again, uh, uh, to turn pro uh, when you're a successful amateur, you're gonna do it when it works for you. You're not gonna do it when it's too late and you've 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 stayed in the, in the amateurs too long. We've seen some good fighters do that. Mm. Uh, a fighter called. Errol Christie, who mm. was an outstanding amateur, mm. Mm. Um, and but he stayed amateur a little too long. But then they turned pro. He did nothing as and a pro. And missed the boat, yeah. He did, and that's what I'm saying. Your examples there, you just think, wow, all right. You know, it's just about making the right decision at the right time. So with you then, I mean, obviously we know what gym you came out of, and Brendan was mm. a, a, a major influence in your career. Was that a conversation between you and Brendan then? Did you sit down and did he say to you, he said, right, Johnny? We're going to the pros now, Sunshine. Because yeah, he I told think, me. Because ah, I think this will suit you better. Yeah, he told me. That's exactly what happened. He told me. Because uh, I thought I wasn't good enough to be a professional. And he said, well, actually, you'd be a prof better professional than you will be an amateur. Mm. Uh, and I thought, all right. And people, the amount of people that gave him stick for turning me pro, saying, Nelson's rubbish. He's only had 13 fights. He's only won three. And Brendan said, look, he'll be a better pro than him will be at. He'll end up being world champion. They thought he was mad. Mm. And he was so right. He was spot on. Mm. You got a lot of things right to be fair. Yeah, you? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's why that's why that's how you got you got to understand how to read the game. Uh, and if you can read the game right, like he he did, mm. uh, he gets it. And and it, we're all armchair champions about who should do this and who's a good trainer, who's not a good trainer. He knew the game inside out. He knew how to work it, and he knows that you'll get you'll get certain fighters that are better in, with certain styles. I had a friend called Stinger Mason. He boxed uh, Joe Kawasaki. That's not his real name. No, it's not. <laughs> he, bo he boxed Joe Kawasaki, and uh, he was a great kickboxer, very fit and everything. When he and, and he was a better amateur than he was a pro, and in his head he was always panicking saying I'm struggling you know I think I'm going to get tired after I've done three rounds and he, he mentally couldn't get it yeah. over in his head I said we're both doing the same training we're both working out together and mentally it didn't suit him it didn't work for him but for me it suited me down to go and I felt I found calm out of that chaos and that's why some fighters once they once they make that work, uh, to, that transition they think right I'm on I'm well, off were there, were there other guys at the Winker Bank that were similar to that or maybe didn't go or it went the other way for them that were brilliant amateurs and then didn't transcend into the yeah yeah of course without, without about listen remember I was in the gym and a lot of those guys used to beat me up in the gym mm. back in the day and then you drifted off and came back and thought what's happened to Johnny how's that happened and it just needs that 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 switch, that understanding of I'm actually be I can actually do this better mm. than I can do that. Mm. Uh, and it's it's setting me fighters all over the country. Mm. Um, obviously, I mentioned uh, Brendan there, who's uh, sadly recently passed away, a, a major loss for uh, for boxing, his family and and friends, and obviously mm. former people that worked under him like, like yourself. I know they had a fantastic memorial mm. uh, day up in Yorkshire. Talk to me about that because I, I saw some of the pictures. Yeah, the yeah. So the amount of names that turned yeah, up was the, the crazy. Few, and that show, this man was loved. Uh, and and what surprised me was that when I re was with Brendan. Uh, uh, people had come up to me and say, uh, uh, "Oh, remember, remember me, Brendan? Back, at, you know, I was a little tear away, and I've got family. Thanks a lot." And I'm thinking, when do you have time to see all these people and help all these people? And and when you see the champions that Brendan produced, they are the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. 
uh, of the people that he helped. It was a community thing. Yeah, a massive community thing. And, and the respect, it showed at the funeral. It showed the amount of people that rocked up. He, he was in Sheffield Cathedral. You've got to be someone special to get buried there. And and the turnout was the, the, the Irish Prime Minister sent a representative to uh, to say something at the funeral. Uh, his fat is old and new turned up. Uh, people you had not seen. Although I think Sheffield gave him an unbelievable send off. Mm. They are now uh, we are now trying to raise money to to uh, uh, to to uh, create a, a, a memorial for Brendan like in, in, in Sheffield. Or yeah, a yeah. statue. I think they're trying to raise a hundred thousand. Uh, 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 and, and and which will be done. We, I think we're going to make an announcement next Thursday to, to so people can donate. Awesome. And it's just just to carry on Brendan's legacy, uh, his lesson of what he was trying to teach people. Mm. And uh, and so in doing that, I um, I just think it's it's it, if we're going to learn something, this is the best way to learn. Uh, uh, so I just think for Brendan, you know, he's not just going to die and it's all forgotten about. Yeah, there's absolutely. a reason. The gym's there. Uh, uh, the guys are in the gym. A lot of guys have come through, like myself, and it's our job to pass on what he taught us. The, be- the beautiful thing about everything that has happened over the last few months is that, yeah, okay, people know about you, they know about Naz, they know about all the lads mm. that have come through the gym and stuff like that. But then the stories that do come out about him being, because of his attitude towards the community and stopping a kid going into crime or stopping a kid going down the drugs route and giving them some direction, mm. some giving them some focus in life. And they might not have become a fighter. They might have gone in and got a career in accounts or something like that. You know that's what I mean? exactly so, what's happened. That's so what, many different things. That's exactly what's happening. Remember, Brian Anderson, the first, Britain's first black prison governor, Brian Anderson was that much of a tearaway as a youngster. Uh, he was expected to be behind the bar, behind bars, not the man holding the keys. He was the governor, the first black, uh, prison uh, prison governor here in the UK. He became British champion. Brendan, that's because of Brendan. You ever speak to Brian Anderson? He'll tell you. He said, "This guy turned me around. I should have been in prison, not the guy that was running the prison." Mm. And and there was many many stories like that where Brendan actually just made young men and women. Uh, open their mind, open their, broaden their horizons. And you talk about multiculturalism in a gym. Our gym's been multicultural for, for, for 40 years. We had men and women training there 40 odd years. Mm. And you walked in there and at first people walked in and, and you know, they think it's politically incorrect what was going on, on there. This, Brendan said, all that foolishness, you leave it at the door. You know, this is my world. And now all of a sudden it's the buzzword. Yeah. Uh, now all of a sudden, what's happening now, everybody's saying it's a great idea. It's been going in our gym for years. Mm. Do you think he will have looked at... For example, the successes of the man that you just mentioned there and your successes of becoming mm. a world champion, exactly the same. Mm. Do you think, to, yeah. to Brendan, they were both as successful as yes, each other? without a doubt, without a doubt. And that's why, and that's the lesson he taught us all the time. That's the lesson he, he gave us all the time. He said, you know, at the end of the day, if you don't let anybody uh, uh, keep you a prisoner, you know, education's your strength, you know. And then, and, he, and it wasn't just about academic education, it's about, about life. And so he taught us massive, massive lessons. It embarrasses me when he says I was his biggest success story. I'm thinking, <laughs> come on, Brent, don't do that. And, and From th- 13 and 3 amateur, mate, I you know, know what I mean? No, but <laughs> I, I just thought, I, I just, I, I still don't get that uh, because he had some amazing successes with Naz and what he achieved. But and I get, people have gone into other careers as well. Yeah, I, yeah and exactly. But I get where he's coming from. I yeah. get what he's saying. Uh, uh, and I was loyal to Brendan. Uh, I, I am loyal to Brendan. That's why I think my job is to pass his message on to people to say, yeah. This is what he does. This is who he is. This I'm, is I'm a I'm a representative of the gym. How do people find out about donating for the memorial and stuff like that? You're going to put that on your social yeah, media. Yeah, well, I'm going I'm to put it on my social media. Yeah, cool. Uh, and uh, and and I'm quite sure you'll see some stuff in the press next Thursday. You're making an announcement. There you go. Keep your eyes out for that. Um, 
fantastic listening to you uh, speak about such a great man uh, who's provided us with so many great nights in the world of boxing. Mm. Um, we are going to continue talking boxing with Johnny Nelson um, right here on Fight Out on TalkSport 2. Make sure you stick around. Don't go anywhere. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Every single week on Fight Night, we induct something or someone into our uh, Hall of Fame. Johnny's already in there, so we can't stick him in again. It's because of his uh, fantastic run as uh, champion of the world. Uh, and loads of different things come in there, because it can be an individual, it can be a fight, it can be a set of fights. Uh, we've even put fans in there at one point, and today's it, it is a little bit different, because Johnny, I've no doubt you have seen the rumours and... Uh, that have been knocking about from the WBC convention that Lennox and uh, Vitali might be going at it again in an exhibition bout. Oh I'm, my I'm, goodness. Well, I've now been told that it's a load of Codswallop but it's not going <laughs> to happen, mainly from Lennox's side. Uh, but it just gets me thinking about exhibition fights, just in general. You're a fighter. You can't have an exhibition, can you? They don't exist. You know what? Fighters, it's our way of getting it. Get, it's fighters, a fighter's <laughs> way of getting back in the ring and having a tear-up and, and putting that it's just an exhibition because... If you're a fighter with any pride, uh, you know you know that the stakes aren't high. But if you hit me, I'm going to make sure I hit you, and then it's going to be tit for tat. Um, and and that's when you've got fighters of the same level. If you've got two old rivals like I suppose Nigel Ben and Chris Eubank. Can you imagine them two having an exhibition? Never happening. Never going to happen because emotionally there's going to be that trigger inside that says, Nah, it's, I've got my chance here to get me on. But plus, we always think we can fight. I'm 51. I think I think I can still fight. And so it's inside. It's inside you. But these exhibition bouts. They're, they're kind of old-time dream fights. I know Nigel Benn and Steve Collins are hoping to try and get a fight and they might do it under the guise of an exhibition. Um, and so, bigger gloves, head guards or whatever. But uh, uh, it's just these exhibitions are a chance. I do exhibitions still, 
Do you not, really? Yeah, yeah, not with not with other fighters. You know, sometimes you get an ex rugby player or some kid that's really good in the gym and you want to do an exhibition bout for charity. For, for charity. Like but you've got to understand. They think. It yeah, looks, but that's easy for you, right? Because you're a fighter, so yeah. therefore you can you know what they're going to do yeah. and you can keep them at arm's length a little bit. But, but the problem, out. but the problem is they get giddy and silly, and, what, and, and, and it's the same story every <laughs> they time. They think I've got a, I've got yeah. a world champion yeah, it's here. The same story I'm every time. I had to do an exhibition with a, an ex rugby player. I can't remember his name. He was a bit of a dirty devil when he played. <laughs> rugby and so so i knew uh, in the village where it was in pontefract i knew what was going to happen here uh and so this guy they, they, they the organizer said come and do the exhibition i said sure and so i went down to the exhibition i seen this guy he'd been trained up like mad for it. He's, now it's a chance for him to say i'm gonna i'm, I'm gonna do an do. exhibition i'm gonna do johnny, I'm gonna do johnny. this is what it is in their head <laughs> so in their head they're thinking i'm gonna do him and then they actually see you and you think oh you're a bit bigger than what i thought and then, and then they're trying to get that game face on because all the mates are geeing him up. So the first thing I do is I go and shake your hands. You're all right, listen, let's have a good laugh tonight. You know, don't be serious. Take it easy. And so you know where where the, what the response is because yeah. they don't look at you and smile and talk normally. And they like look away as if you think, oh, God, here he's, go he's going to put it on me. He's going to try and put it on me. So the biggest trick, and I can remember this one, it was funny. So I went there with my, my mates and I thought, He's on it. This kid wants to fight. Yeah. Really wants to fight. And big, massive bodybuilder type now because he's 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 he's, he's extra rugby plays, big unit, and so he's there with all these mates. You can hear him all in the dressing room, making loads of noise. So I'm next door. So I'm with my friend. I said, right, put me in a pad. And all you can hear is pop, 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 of the jabs, uh, of of the pad work. And so this kid next door, I know he's listening. And then you start hitting the wall, and he's th- you can see in his head thinking, this is for real now. Oh my goodness! Now, now I've got a bit of a sweat on, and Look so what you, you do in the mind games? Oh my god! It's the oldest <laughs> trick in the book. It's just to put me in the place and say, "Behave yourself," because you'll get hurt. Because it's not going to look good for me smashing a, a guy no, that knows what he's doing. Not. So you got to just just put it on him a little bit, and then. Uh, what I did was I came out of the dressing room. Then I, I walked past his dressing room door, which was open, dripping with sweat. And I know I'm not small. And he's looking, thinking, "Oh my God, it's on. Going, it's on here." And so, um, uh, so now he's bubbled. So when we get in the ring, that 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 hard stare where he he, he didn't want to look at me or talk to me. I was, "Hi, oh, mate. You alright? Nodding. You alright? You touch gloves." I thought, oh, "I hope you behave yourself now." <laughs> not saying a word. And then you see how his shots go. So at first he'll do it a bit half-heartedly he'll throw a shot in this is same pattern all the time it always happens in the exhibitions and then he'll think it's not bad i'm not getting hurt stop it i'm gonna go for it and then when they go for it and sling a shot in and miss or they sling a shot in and it's not made a difference they think i'll try another one then you just hit him hit him once hit him fast so they don't see it leave they just hear it land and they think, uh-oh, I'm bit, and that's how you can't, it's only one shot does it all, yeah, just yeah. to calm them down. Just a cheeky jab, yeah, bang, there Just you go. to calm them down, to say, look, it's levels here. I know Nigel does them, I know, I know Tim Witherspoon did them, I know, I know a lot of guys do them. So when, when it's novice against a, a pro that they think I could do it, yeah. it's a massive reality check for them. Uh, but when you've got two ex-fighters, yes, that's when it's different. That's that's not exhibition. Trust me, that's going to be a fight, and uh, and and up to a certain point, especially if there's been a rivalry. Can you imagine Carl Frotch and George Groves doing an exhibition? Never in a million years. Um, I can't imagine these things. Like the, when I, when I first heard about Lennox and Vitali, because the way that that fight ended. I mean, yeah. that's Lennox's last fight. That's what he went yeah. out on, and he won that fight on a on a technical knockout because of the cut over Vitali's eye. Vitali was up on the cards at the end of that fight. Mm. Vitali will have a little bit of something to say if they ever got back in the ring again. And Lennox isn't going to let him put it on him. No, not, not at all. <laughs> it's just that, not going to happen. Exactly. And Vitali, you saw when when uh, uh, Vladimir boxed um, uh, AJ and Vitali, 
the only death stares in the ring were from Vitaly yeah, to yeah. AJ, and I'm thinking he still wants to fight him. We heard afterwards Vitaly's training to, to fight again. I think yeah, he, yeah. he probably put that idea to to the back of his mind. This guy can still fight. This guy, guy's still got that, I'm a champion in my head. They can't have an exhibition. It can't happen because it takes too much commitment uh, to get yourself in condition. It takes too much commitment to, to, to put things to one side for an exhibition. Yeah. We saw when, uh, what's the cricketer called that did a, a boxing match? Freddie Flintoff. Freddie Flintoff. He trained for months and months and months on end to do a four-rounder. I knew it would be his first and last fight yeah. because the amount of time you've got to put in for the event itself you know, it's not worth it. You, you've got to put a lot of things, you've got to put to, your life to one side, life, mm. family, job, and everything to one side. It's yeah, not yeah. worth it. So to do that for an exhibition, yeah, yeah, you know, it isn't worth it. And and you realise that when you're getting up at stupid o'clock in the morning to go for a run or you're training after on your third training session of the day and you're absolutely shattered but you've got to do the same thing again tomorrow. Then you realise, you know, you've got to be a bit mad to do our sport and, and, and that's what it is. So uh, exhibitions are funny um, uh, but you've got to, you'll be careful who you pick to fight, pick yeah. a fight with. But between two fighters, I agree. It's never an exhibition. But no. those little charity things where you think, I'm getting to share a ring with Johnny Nelson or I'm getting to share yeah, a yeah. ring with you, whoever it may be. It can As be a normal fun. guy on the street. Yeah, oh, it's just a, it, yeah it can be fun yeah. as long as you behave yourselves. Uh, mm. and, and that's what the problem is. Yeah, and, and because getting into the ring, it's nerve-wracking. Getting into the ring, when you, your friends are shouting for you, your family's there and they're screaming because they're thinking it's serious. All of a sudden, the reality of fighting it's all right watching it on TV. It's all right like being an archer champion saying he's not that good, he's not good. But mm. then when you actually get in mm. and a man stood in front of you and he's actually there to beat your face in, mm. you think, oh dear, I don't want to do this. <laughs> but it is funny. But the exhibitions, I do I do smile when I hear the word exhibition. Mm. Um, I mean, you mentioned before, you're 51 years of age and uh, you reckon you can still do a bit because there were rumours. Mm. Like, a couple of years ago, you were talking about Marco. Yeah, Mar was. Marco, I, Hook, you were yeah, Marco I, But you were serious about that. I was serious about it, and that, that's what I'm saying. I was going to do that just for that fight, not to come back as a career, because these guys are too fresh and frisky, and they've got too much pace on them for me to compete with guys that have got too much pace on them. But for Marco, I thought, I can do you. I know your pace. I know what you're capable of doing. I do you every day of the week, even though I'm as old as your dad. Uh, and and so, so for, for them, they're thinking... It's too much of a risk because one, if he, he be, beats Johnny but looks bad, it's, yeah. it affects him. If he loses to me, it, he's, his career's over. Yeah. Why would they do it? Why would they do that? How real was it? I mean, was it ever, ever, oh, it was ever very, close? He, we offered him uh, 650 grand again, wow. uh, for the fight. He ended up kept constantly moving the goalposts saying, I want TV rights, I want this, I want that, I want this, I want that. Uh, Where did the needle come from, by the way, between that? <laughs> well, he was on his 13th. He was matching my uh, uh, my record of defences yeah. 13. He'd never boxed outside of Germany. So uh, he, he, all he had to do was go the distance. He'd get the, get the win. And that was the point. So I told this guy, they invited me over, flew me. I knew where it was going. They flew me over to watch this, his 13th defence to say, well done. And... Um, and I flew over, they, he had the fight, he won, uh, and so he, he matched it. But he'd never boxed anybody outside. They got me in the ring, uh, they interviewed me in the it's ring. It's a bit Balboa this, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, they <laughs> interviewed me in the ring, what do you think? I said, yeah, he's very good. If they asked me the question, I'm going to tell him the truth. Uh, uh, how do you think he'd done against you? I said, he'd have done well. I'd have probably knocked him out, but he'd have done really well. And the crowd went mad. And so like the interviewer's like, uh, excuse me? He said, would you fight him? I said, yeah, give me six months, I'd fight him. And that's where it started from, and that's where it all changed. Yeah. And that's why we and the press conference afterwards. That's all they were talking about. Uh, even his, his promoters of silence at the time, you know, they they were like, "You speak to him now." They said, "Johnny, we were never going to let that happen. Are you mad? He didn't want that fight." You know, he ended up boxing in America for something like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars and losing. And then his next fight, 
So to me, I thought, well, you've just we. If I'm, if you could have beat me, why didn't you take over half a million quid to fight a man that's as old as your dad? Mm. Why did you not do that? So and that was only for that fight. It wasn't to come back as a career. To me, I just thought that's how it is. I was speaking recently to um, Dan Hardy, who was in the MMA world. He worked mm. on the uh, McGregor thing. And nice guy. Nice yeah, he's guy. a top, 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 top fella. But he has been technically retired for a, a, a period of time. But he always talks to me about that one more. Just that one more mm-hmm. fight, come back and competing at my old way against, I'm not saying a young up-and-coming book, but somebody of uh, a decent standard, just, just so I can feel the roar of the crowd one more time and all that type of stuff. Is it hard for it when you do pack it in? When you're in the, I mean, you do a lot of punditry. You're in the arenas anyway. You're there. You're sampling it all week in, week out. There must be every single time you step into an arena, there must be something burning in the back of your head, going, "Yeah, I fancy, I fancy." Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt, you think I could do him? Oh my god, I could really do it. That's what you think, and it takes you five years to get it out of your system, really and truly. Once you packed in, it takes you five years to get out of your system because we all think we can fight. Fighting doesn't train you to do anything else in this world. Apart from standing at the door of a club, and you're still not fighting, you know it doesn't. It doesn't even train you to be. It's hard to get out of your system. It's like a drug, mm. and so we always think we can do it. And then when we actually get in the ring to try it, your mind is is not in tune with your body anymore. Yeah, you, yeah, when, it yeah. Hurts, it hurts. You bruise. You see stuff. Yeah, but it, your body's not yeah, going. That's yeah. right. So all of a sudden you're a civilian. You start to bruise a little bit. Your feet are hurting. Your back's hurting. Uh, and you think, what's that I'm doing? Because you've been successful. You've been at the highest of a high. And then all of a sudden you, 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 you're suffering injuries like a civilian. Mm. And so it's hard to get out of your head. And, and, and Dan's got to be smart with that. And most fighters have got to be smart with that. It's just a system. It's just a process he's going through. It'll go. He'll get over it. Mm. He won't fight again, but he'll get over it. Will you? I always think I can fight. I'll, I'll, I'll get over it. <laughs> uh, stick with us. You're listening to Fight Night. Gareth A. Davis is going to be with us on the phone shortly. He's uh, He was in America last week. He's now in Rome. I'll tell you something. He's like Judith Chalmers, that kid. We'll get him on the show next. Don't call it a comeback. Uh, you listen to Fight Night on TalkSport 2 with me, Adam Catterall and Johnny Nelson. Now, it is holiday season. I totally appreciate that. You might be listening to this on a Sun Lounger via our podcast, uh, which is available on TalkSport uh, website and also via iTunes as well. Myself and Johnny in the break there, just having a little bit of a chat about our own upcoming vacations and, and places in the world that we would like to travel to. Now, Johnny's obviously a professional. A week, two weeks maximum. That's how, how much we take, isn't it, Johnny? That's Without, what we do. That's right. We don't, have, we don't have two months off, do we, mate, jetting around the world. That's not what we do. No, but Gareth A. Davis, he's not the normal type of human being. He's spent the last six weeks in America. I expected him back in the studio this week. No, he couldn't be bothered. He's jetted off to Rome. I'll tell you something, son. You, you should be doing boxing shows. You should be doing something like Judith Chalmers, lad. That's, that's what you should be doing. Some type of holiday programme. Listen, listen, like all the millions of listeners that listen to this podcast, I like listening to it from a sun lounger around the world. <laughs> well, you know? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's just it's one of those times. I do miss you. Of course you do. Um, of course you do. I only hear from you during the show. I can, I, can hear, I can hear hear his nose going like <laughs> yeah, Pinocchio. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you're in Rome at this moment in time for a Bellator event, of which we'll speak about a little bit later on. However, where I want to start, yeah. mate. Um, is that you were in Las Vegas? This is brilliant, isn't it? Las Vegas last week. He's having a right time mm-hmm. of it, he's Gareth. He was in Las Vegas last week uh, for a UFC event, but he actually met up 
uh, with a man that we're speaking about a little bit le- uh, earlier on. You, you met up with Triple G. You uh, you had a little bit of a chat with the boy. I did. It's, uh, we had a, we had a bit of a lunch with him. We had a media lunch and a little sit down with him afterwards at Wolfgang Puck in uh, uh, in the MGM. And he was fascinating. You know, he um, he's obviously you know he's, he's he's cajoling and playing with the media because Canelo has decided, um, Saul Canelo Alvarez has decided that he's not doing any media appointments in the lead up to their September 15th fight. Mm. So uh, Triple G's making the most of it and he's going to do the rounds. And by the time the fight comes, when they finally do one press conference before the event, everyone will have heard Triple G's story. And, and he's, I've never seen, he's, he's always very gentlemanly. He, he's an incredible character. I wish he didn't use a translator. I mean, I did speak to him in English when I sat down with him. And he... What's interesting about Triple G is that he's got a lot of interesting things to say, and he did through the translator. But he wants to talk to you in English, but he's actually quite a complex thinker. And he has some very profound views about Canelo, which aren't just, you know, the clambuterol positives from February... Um, you know, that, that he wants to talk about. He wants to talk about the whole, um, how important the pair of them are in boxing right now. They're both, let's, because let's rewind 10 months. That fight last September mm. was one of the most brilliant elite fights we've seen for a long time, you know, between two guys, one who is a wrecking ball and the other who has a massive following from a massive boxing country, and I'm talking about Mexico, of course. Um, and it was a brilliant fight. What, what shrouded it all in controversy, of course, was the judging. And he's really, really determined to prove in the history books that he was the best middleweight of this era. Hmm. Um, we, you know, we talked about um, how he would have fitted in with Hearns and Hagler and uh, Mar- and, um, and 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 Duran and Sugar Ray Leonard and you know to be fair to him, he doesn't have the hand speed of some of those guys. But my God, he would have put up a great fight against them. I think he would have ended up in the middle somewhere. I don't know what you feel, Adam, what you feel, Johnny. But you know, imagine having him as the fifth king in that era. <laughs> you know, oh, absolutely crazy, mate. Really crazy stuff. The the. the... Do you think, I mean, it'd be interesting to get your thoughts on this as well, Johnny, regarding Canelo's attitude of not doing media in the build-up to this fight. I mean, I look at it from a point of view of, we know what the questions are going to be. Maybe he doesn't want to cloud his mind with those types of questions. He just wants to concentrate on the fight because I think he's got a record to put straight. Or is he missing a little bit of a trick that he could get it all out of the way and maybe make the fans grow to love him more, grow to love him again? I I don't know. I'm going to reiterate what I said earlier on. I cannot see a way Canelo can beat Triple G. Uh, I think he boxed brilliantly. He boxed better than I thought he actually was when he boxed Triple G. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't enough. Mm. Uh, I think he used speed, timing, uh, strength, confidence. Uh, uh, he had everything going for him, but it wasn't enough. So I don't see a way of him having beaten him unless, unless uh, a Triple G has a bad night. Mm. Now, I think, personally, he's not doing... These media round, these media rounds. One because of, of of the controversy of the fight falling through the last time. Two because what more can he say? What more can he do? Because if I was in the audience and I was a, a a reporter, I'd say, what can you do in the next fight that you didn't do in the first fight? 
Mm. You hit him with solid shots. You hit him with speed, accuracy, everything. It wasn't good enough. How are you going to be, beat this man? You couldn't outbox him. You couldn't outfight him. What are you going to do? And that's why I'm telling you now, so even now still, I'm thinking, I just can't see this fight happening. Mm. And until they get in the I, ring, I, until well, that bell goes, I cannot see it happening. Yeah. I've got, I've got a little argument against that, which is there's a chink of light, I think, for Canelo in that late on in that fight, he hit Golovkin with a very big shot and rocked him to his boots. Um, I think it was in the 10th or 11th round, and um, Golovkin just buckled for a moment. And I, I don't know whether I'm kind of projecting myself onto that moment. I spoke about it with, you know, had Don Chargin on the show yeah. last week, didn't we? And I've been up to Cambria on the... On the, um, you've been there as well, Adam, and that's yeah. a beautiful town, haven't you? You've been there. And Don Chargan, who spotted Canelo when he was a Mexican teenager for Oscar De La Hoya and Golden Boy um, promotions, both of us were agreeing that Canelo could have been a bit more aggressive a bit more often in that fight because he got, Canelo also got hurt to the body. Um, I think in, in the middle rounds, five and six, and he had to run away a little bit and recover. And I think that's the danger for him because Golovkin was hunting his head a lot in that fight. And if he hunts the body, I think it could be danger for Canelo. Um, but I do think that Canelo, a year more mature... Yeah, I think, um, I think you're hitting something there, Gareth. As Re- well as a possibility, regarding you know? that extra year, um, again, like you've just said, Canelo's a year uh, on mature-wise, mm-hmm. but Triple G's a year oh, on, and he's, he's not a spring chicken, is he? He's a year on. From from where he was a it year might ago, be, it might be great planning. They're thinking, oh, yeah. this guy grows old overnight; he's old enough. But you know what? If you're hurting a man to the body, and you have that power, you know someone can do that. He has that kind of strength. Mm. Of these two elite fighters, and this is what I'm thinking from Canelo's point of view. Mm. He's thinking he, they've got to devise some kind of amazing game plan to dethrone this. Because he did hit him clean; he didn't go anywhere. He did hit him clean. He was. I I, I put my money on Canelo winning. Mm. I'm a fan of Canelo's. Yeah, yeah. But I just cannot see it. I just, as an ex-fighter, as now, as now someone sitting out on the outside looking in, I can't see. I, I can't see him beating him. I can't see a wave him winning unless mm. Golovkin has yeah, a yeah. really mm. bad night. Gareth, what's the buzz like in America for this particular fight? What's the appetite like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because obviously, with everything that's oh, happened geez. with it falling out, with the drugs and all that type of stuff, I mean, is the buzz still there? I know that you did your media lunch with. Oh good. no. It's really there. I mean, look, I mean, I thought, I thought, bingo, I'm here for the UFC. I got to see Joseph Parker and Kevin Barry, went yeah. to visit them at home on the Friday. I thought, oh, here's an invite to have lunch with Golovkin. I thought, this is going to be great. I'll have an hour with Golovkin mm-hmm. here. There'll be no other media here. Maybe Lance Pugmire from the LA Times that does um, MMA as well, does yeah. the UFC event. And I thought, oh, Kevin Ioli. But you know what? There were about 35 of us there. Wow. And there was a big turnout. But yeah, he's a big favorite in America. And, you know, outside, let's be honest, outside Deontay Wilder, you know, with outside Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua happening in the Lomachenko fight, mm. he's, a, he's a big, big draw for them. And the fact it's against Canelo, who is also a, a big star over here, um, you know, over there, because I'm not there anymore. But, <laughs> he, he, you know, it's, it's a big, big fight for them. And I think what's, what I think is interesting, um, and these were two other things that Golovkin pointed out when I spoke to him, was that he's not so much angry about the positive drugs tests, um, the doping offences, as um, 
the fact that it happened and he didn't get the May fight and he had to have a fight in between and have to wait till September, that's really angered him. Mm. But also, I asked him about the... Um, and we, we, we'll hear this in the studio. I mean, I've, I've saved the audio. We will hear this. He's fascinating. He says that... Because I asked him, does he think that Canelo's immature or showed his immaturity in deciding he wasn't going to do sit-down, press sit-downs in a world global media tour, which, you know, they could... They could double the pay-per-view buys, frankly. But he said, no, he is just terrified of difficult questions. Mm. I will be asking him with my eyes and the media will be asking him in front of me. And he does not want his his psychological strength diminished Mm. by a series of press tours. And I think with those answers, Mm. he really put his finger on the pulse. And maybe it's quite wise of, of Canelo to take a vow of silence as Muhammad Ali once did against yeah. Spinks. Why am I fighting Spinks, Ali said. He's only had six fights. He yeah, might be an Olympic champion. Um, and of course, he lost on points to Spinks in that first fight. Mm. Ali took a vow of silence for about two months. And I think Canelo's doing a similar thing for, for, for different reasons. But no, this is a massive fight. And I go back to my first point, gents, about it, that it was a brilliant fight. I mean, I, I can remember having adrenaline you know, when you're so excited at a fight yeah. and you're enjoying it so much, I, I, I had adrenaline while I was writing on it. It was a wonderful, wonderful fight. But as you both pointed out, Golovkin won eight rounds to four, seven rounds to five um, in the clear light of day, frankly. Mm. Um, and so it is difficult to see how he changed his game plan. If he's more aggressive, does that play into Golovkin's hands? If he tries to box more cleverly and fight in different bursts, could that work in his favour? Mm. The judging will be watched even more closely this time, mm. you know? Um, it's fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. Fascinating. It, all, it all adds to that narrative, everything that's happened with Canelo, with the fight falling off, with uh, judging from the first one, with uh, Triple G losing his IBF belt off the back of that through politics. It all adds to a wonderful narrative for uh, September the 15th, and we're all looking forward to it. And do you know something else? It's so exciting talking to you guys. You know what? I think I might make it back into the studio. Oh, jog on you. Jog on. (laughs) Listen, stay on the end of that phone line because we're going to uh, take a short break and we'll be back with you in a minute because I know that you've been in Joseph Parker's camp. We're looking forward to seeing him with Dillian White, so we're going to catch up with you about that in a minute. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Fight Night. Uh, you listen to Fight Night uh, on TalkSport 2 with me, Adam Catterall, and Johnny Nelson. Gareth A. Davis is joining us, this time from Rome. I know if you've only just tuned in, you think to yourself, flipping it, this lad's like just travelling around the world. He's having a right old time of it. Um, but he's in Rome at this moment for a Bellator event. We've just been speaking about Triple G because he met up with him last week in uh, in Las Vegas. He also met up with Joseph Parker, didn't you, Gareth? What type of spirits is this man in uh, ahead of the big fight with Dillian White? Well, he's just a lovely bloke, Joseph Parker. You know, you you you, you roll up at Kevin Barry's home in uh, in in the, the, the Henderson suburb of, uh, of of Las Vegas, and uh, you know, he's sweeping the driveway, you know, putting bottles of water in the fridge, and you know, playing uh, playing. You put these, this mask on me. I don't know what these these games are, but you put, you, you wear this kind of it's almost like a um, swimming goggles, and you just like you're in a haunted house. And he's a very happy fellow, Joseph Parker. And I think, you know, he told me that he feels very frustrated with himself 
uh, in the Joshua fight. He, you know, because Joshua boxed very cleverly against him, very clever game plan, um, you know, devised by by Rob McCracken, and they're very confident against Dillian White. But Dillian White's going to bring it, and this is a massive test for him. And you know, the loser of the fight, and Kevin Barry and Joseph Parker both said this to me: the loser of this fight. Arguably, you know, remember the old snakes and ladders game? The, the, the winner of this fight climbs straight up the ladder and could even fight Joshua next April at Wembley yeah. if the wilder fight falls through. But the guy that loses slides right down the snake to the bottom of the pile again. And it's going to have to have maybe two or even three fights to get a world title shot again. But they know that what, what White does. They know that he's going to throw winging hooks. He's going to be aggressive. And it's Parker's chance to show his double and triple jab down the middle. Parker's very straight with his shots, isn't he? Mm. Um, and I think he, I think a guy coming on to him maybe suits him a bit more, a more aggressive fighter. So they're very confident. Um, you know, Kevin Barry's been around the game a long time and, you know, talks a, a great game as well. He's very smart. Um, I'm really looking forward to this. Of course, it's live on TalkSport. Mm-hmm. There's a little plug for us. Yep. Um, we're going to be working it on the night. And oh, you're coming to that one, are you? Really oh, you oh, oh, you'll come back for that one. Right, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll be ringside <laughs> for that. <laughs> um, you, you are right in what you were saying there regarding that fight. Johnny, do you think there's actually more pressure on Josie Parker than there is Dillian White yeah, with, him coming off, with him coming off the back of a loss? Yeah, remember, remember so he was unbeaten going into fight uh, Anthony Joshua. He yeah. was, he's a big king down there in New Zealand. He's like, it's a different world, honestly. He's, he's like Anthony Joshua down yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He loses to Anthony Joshua. He can't afford another lot back-to-back loss against uh, uh, against Dillian White because then it takes them out of that, that mix of that, that world elite, to say, mm. you know I mean, that top tier. I actually think this is going to be a, a tougher fight uh, for, for him. Uh, against uh, uh, um, Dylan White, uh, I, d- I think Dylan White will probably do a better job than AJ did. Um, uh, but I do believe that when Parker puts himself, in, gets himself in shape. Look at the level of opponents Parker's boxed, and then and then and then when he steps in with Anthony Joshua, Anthony Joshua does a great job uh, of, of getting rid of and dealing with him well. Now he's in with another fighter that is not uh, 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 coming out of the loser corner. That is not over the hill. That is not past his best. That's improving. That's improving. Yeah, yeah. So now it's another big ass for him. So we'll see if he's the real deal or a fake. You've got it, Gareth. You've got to give. Uh, we we spoke earlier on about Dillian giving Dillian the credit of uh, how this fight came about in the really left field because maybe he was going down the Pulev uh, Pulev route or maybe going down the WBC route. Uh, but for him to take this fight, you've got to uh, give him a lot of kudos. But you've also got to give kudos to Josie Parker as well because he could have quite easily taken a little tune up here, couldn't he? No, this is a high-risk, high-reward fight for both of them. So, um, you know, and it was done in 72 hours. I think they both fancied the job. And I think Joseph Parker, um, as I said, he is so likable. I know that everyone in the media enjoys working with him. He's, I mean, he's going to be over mm. um, on Monday, I think he's arriving, actually. Um, so he's have a full two weeks there. He's going to be in David Hayes' gym in Vauxhall. David Hayes offered his, offered his facilities as last time. That's such a David um, Hay thing to do, to do, isn't it? David Hay thing to uh, to do a little bit of training with Joseph Parker ahead of a Dillian White yeah, fight where Dillian White's giving him a little Dillian bit of abuse yeah, in the past. To be honest, I've got to say this about David Hay since he retired. I'm really, I mean, I covered David's entire career and, um, you know, he's got a lot of flack at the end. Um, but I've really enjoyed the way he's, 
getting on in his retirement, actually, and throwing his weight behind Joe Joyce. And I loved the videos and the pictures last week of him with his son at Wimbledon. Yeah. Um, his beautiful little son who's a tennis player. And you know, I've always liked David. I've always had a lot of time for him. And I think he's a great guy. And um, he's just he was just a very smart promoter who you know, a self-promoter who, who who did very well for himself and, you know, um, came to the end crashing down with his body, kind of really falling apart. But, you know, I mean, again, if I can just digress, it's a bit similar to a guy I'm doing a lot on over here in Rome, Alessio Saccara, who I've got to tell you about. You know, we are talking, this fight here at the weekend isn't at the Colosseum in Rome, but the sports minister for Rome itself, or the head of the sports commission, is talking about next year putting the Bellator MMA event on in the Coliseum, you know, with for 500 That's amazing. Imagine that. I mean, we're, we, we've just been going crazy. Me and Johnny just been going crazy about the AJ dates at Wembley, 90,000, 100,000 there. But when you're talking about traditional fighting, if you go back to the times of Caesar and the Romans, to do an event, uh, a fight event, whether it be boxing or whether it be mixed martial arts, whichever, inside the Colosseum, I mean, that is one for the ages. The Colosseum inside the Eternal City, as uh, I think it was the, the poet Tullus uh, dubbed it in the first get, century. Johnny's getting highbrow now. Um, he's, get, he's getting highbrow <laughs> on us. Well, this is this is, is where he's going. Not, is this not cultural corner moment? All right, go oh, on, then, come lad. on, go on, you do a bit. Go on. Um, <laughs> but, but no, the, the, the fact that this guy Alessio Sakara, okay, has had a long career. He had a terrible end to his career in the UFC. He's joined Bellator. He gets to fight in Rome. This is a guy that goes to <laughs> train in the shadow of the Colosseum. He's got ropes tattooed on his hands because, of course, the Roman gladiators for their boxing gloves used to leave rope in the vats of olive oil to soften it, and then they would wrap the softened ropes around their hands as, as padding. Um, and he's got, you know, Benny um, Billy Beachy, he's got gladiators tattooed all over his body. Um, he's the most prominent, the most well-known Italian, and they want to put it on for him. They want to put a special event on here. And I, I'm just, it's just such a buzz. I mean, I've been to the Coliseum. Stop it! <laughs> Stop, I've had enough now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start to sob then. <laughs> history. I love your history lessons, guys. I, love, I, I, I do. When him... Um, when, when is that? Are they genuinely going to do that? Is that going to happen? Yeah, I think it will. I really do think it will. And you know, the only, the only, I think the only person to have performed it's either Bocelli or um, Pavarotti. The only people to have performed, I think, inside the Colosseum wow. itself so far. So um, yeah, it probably be a black tie affair with tables and mm. you know there won't be kind of you know kind of walk up seats and so on they're probably the richest it'd be a bit like when Mayweather and Pacquiao fought there wasn't a fight fan in the house because mm. tickets were you know were going for a thousand dollars at the time you mm. know any tickets but you know it, it, I, again every week on the show I, I think there's a moment where I, I say to you and I'm sure Johnny will agree with this. There's never been a bigger time for all the fight sports. No, it's crazy. It's just uh, TV buys into it. All the digital streaming services are really into it now. There's a massive press conference next week in New York when DAZN announced their first two 
events with Eddie Hearn, with Matchroom, which are going to be obviously in in October. And, you know, Bellator have got a big event on there on September the 29th with Rory McDonald and mm. Degard Musasi. So, you know, it, everything's mobilising. Obviously, I was in Vegas last week where I know I was kind of critical of what happened at the end of the UFC 226 event with Daniel Cormier becoming a champ champ, winning the light heavyweight belt and then beating Stipe Miocic to win the UFC heavyweight title as well. And then into the uh, octagon strides Brock Lesnar straight out of the WWE locker room, pushes Daniel Cormier, and he's a guy on the drugs ban at the moment, uh, Lesnar. And it was a really weird blurring of the lines where he's going to come back and fight Cormier next for the heavyweight title. It's just, I don't know, it's, you know, we never thought Mayweather, well, I thought Mayweather and McGregor was always going to happen, but, you know, people couldn't believe that was going to happen. I think what there is in fight sports, which you can't do, say, with the World Cup, or you can't do with football because it's scheduled kind of like season or or rounds or, um, or groups. What you can do with fight sports is you can be incredibly creative. Eddie Hearn's been brilliant at that. Dana White's brilliant at it. Scott Coker's doing it now with Bellator. The creativity that that, that develops around fight sports, around the narratives, around the, the kind of controversies, the, 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 the match-ups, you can't do that in any other sport. I don't know any other sport that does it anyway, whether I'd it's that. talk as well, and whether mm. it's, you know, I mean, and, and I think all those things at the moment... That melting pot in the modern era with, you know, Twitter going mad. I mean, I put out a, a, a couple of days ago, I put out a one tweet with a picture of Conor McGregor as a, as a statue that, um, that, that the artist, I can't remember his name, the sculptor created. It's, it's worth 50,000 quid or it's for sale for 50,000 quid. And it's, you know, it's a hyper, hyper-realist depiction. I'm getting into cultural corner here. Yeah, you are again. With... with <laughs> With with a with you know it's it's kind of aping Michelangelo and the David all those kind of sculptures the kind of incomplete sculptures with with the limbs <laughs> dropping off and that's just two and a half million impressions on Twitter. Wow. And so <laughs> I think you know you look at social media you look at fight sports really appeal to social media in a really big way because. It's primal, mate. This is where we all are. We're all, we're all exactly. It's dead primal. It's, uh, it's the most natural yeah. sport in the entire world, as uh, I'm Johnny. Uh, mm. I'm sure Johnny will uh, will agree to. Listen, you clown. Um, uh, hopefully, I will uh, see you uh, sometime in London in the not too distant future. Can you feel the love? Oh, the resentment. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be back next week or not? I am indeed. I cannot wait. I can lock that studio door when I get in there. Yeah, we will, mate. It's a three-hour show next week because we've obviously got the World Boxing Super Series final with the cruiserweights from Moscow next week, mate. It should be an absolute oh, screamer. Wow. Uh, so Who's going to sure- win that? Who's going to win that? Usyk every day of the week. He's going Usyk. I was originally yeah, going Usyk, but Gassiev has imp- points as well. Gassiev has improved me. Though. It's going to be a cracker anyway. Either way, it's going to be a cracker. Uh, we'll see you next week, Gareth. Yeah. Nice one, mate. Thanks for being on, see buddy. You later, Take care. Thanks, gents. Uh, Cheers. Stick around. We've got one more uh, section to come where we're going to be talking Daniel Jacobs and Sergei Derevyanchenko for the IBF Middleweight Championship of the World.
don't know about you, but I've missed listening to that. <laughs> I've missed Neil Diamond. <laughs> At least we get it when we get back to the O2 Arena for Dillian White and Josie Parker. It'll be out in uh, full force, no question. Uh, you listen to Fight Night, near enough done uh, with me, Adam Catterall and Johnny Nelson. Just a, a little bit of any other business that's going on at this moment in time. I noticed this week uh, that Eddie and uh, Lou Bella have agreed a deal. I mean, wow. stranger things have happened, eh? <laughs> you know what? Eddie actually doesn't mind being, being disliked over there in the States. And I'm quite <laughs> sure he... Uh, he 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 likes that. He likes that that wind up, and Eddie's pretty cool, you know. I, I I just like the attitude. He's not intimidated by the powers to be or or the old the old the old uh, the old stand. He's thinking, listen, I'm a U kid on a block, and yeah, I'm gonna yeah. have a go. And if he can take his format over to the to the states, and it works out there, good on him. So there's gonna be resistance there for him. Him doing a deal with Lou Bella. <laughs> Business is business. That's how it is. And uh, 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 we've seen it over the years with, with most promoters. Mm. Uh, the one that's been confirmed is obviously the middleweight clash in New York uh, for the vacant IBF middleweight championship between Daniel Jacobs and Sergei uh, Derevyanchenko. Uh, Derevyanchenko was uh, the mandatory, if I'm not mistaken, for this particular title. Daniel Jacobs has now got in the mix. And rightfully so, because I really rate Daniel Jacobs. I think he's absolutely tremendous. I thought he was unlucky in the Golovkin fight mm. the first time round. Um, and it's just... I kind of like... Even though I wanted to see an undisputed champion at middleweight and everything that's happened with the IBF taking the belt off Golovkin and making it vacant, and obviously we've still got Billy Joe, he's got the WBO belt, and we've got the uh, the Triple G and Canelo mm. fight for the other belts as well like that. I think the winner of this is just a nice little addition to the mix because what we could end up having is a couple of semi-finals and we could end up having a final, final at some point for uh, the undisputed champion. Yeah, without a doubt. And it, it, what you need is a story. What you need is is something to follow, a path to follow. What mm. you need is 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 uh, beginning, middle, and end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to to fighters when they they sign for fights and they 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 they've got a direction. I think with Eddie getting this fight signed, uh, 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 and w- with Jake, is I think good on him. You know, you, you're creating something. You create a storybook here, and and hopefully other fighters will see that and they want to jump on board. Mm. That's why. That's why for boxing to stay current for boxing to stay on top how it as it is now you've got to be able to get people from all walks of life interested mm. for some reason to be able to follow it you mm. go to the average man in the street i bet more people now know who the heavyweight champion is of the world than they did five years ago yeah i'd agree with that, uh, agree with that. Uh, because now they they have something to follow they, they kind of get it and uh, i think that's what eddie's trying to create he's trying to create stars again he's trying to create mm. people up uh, champs that people can connect to. And now that he's got this um, US TV streaming deal, I mean, this this is kind of the stepping stone fight to something quite major because if Daniel Jacobs, who is a matchroom fighter, pulls it off and becomes the IBF champion, the winner of Canelo Triple G is obviously, I would imagine, going to go and chase a unification fight, another belt in that division. Mm-hmm. And if Daniel Jacobs is holding one of those belts, an American, because they kind of need some yeah. more American stars coming through, if Eddie can then go, right, the IBF champion of the world is going to take on the WBC, WBA champion of the world in, let's say it's Triple G. Yeah. I mean, Triple G is a major star. Canelo's a major star with the, with the Mexican audience, of course, as well. If you can bring that together, then all of a sudden, what we were talking about at the start of the show where Americans aren't really falling in love with boxing as of yet, you would imagine if Eddie Texas matchroom format to the States and makes a showcase, a, a big show, you would imagine that all of a sudden people are starting to become bothered about that, it again. And that's the whole point. That's why AJ is saying, I ain't boxing in America. What for? Mm. The story's here. You know, this is where the story ends here. Uh, and, 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 and so I get, and Eddie now realises that. He's thinking, if I can do that with Anthony Joshua, and I can do that with all the British fighters 
in the UK, a small mm. island like the UK, can you imagine what I could do in America? Because the format works. Yeah, yeah. And 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 that you can see that's where he's going. That's what he's doing. No British promoters done that ever. No British promoters gone out there and taken on promote the promoters out there in the UK uh, in America ever. Mm. But Eddie has because mm. he has a format that works. Mm. Uh, regarding this middleweight division, because we're going to get Canelo Triple G September fifteenth. Mm. We've got this one now for the IBF trinket, and we've got a man that you'll know quite well, obviously out of the Ingle Gym at the moment, Billy uh, Joe. Billy Joe yeah. who's got the WBO crown. But what is he doing next? We don't know what he's doing next. Where's he going next? Who's he going to be fighting next? There's loads of different. Bits yeah, of the, chat. There, there are options out there, and and the thing is, I know he, I know he got us uh, the option of fighting um, uh, Triple G when uh, the fight was uh, fell through orig- and originally for him. Well, he, said, even, he was done for the end of August, wasn't it? But yeah. then obviously Canelo's team then made yeah, the, made the turnaround. Right. You know what? But I still in my head, I still when Canelo and Triple G fought each other, I thought they ain't going to fight again mm. because I could see. I I actually thought Canelo would win, but I, I can see no way. Canelo could improve on anything in what he did to beat Triple G. Mm. And I thought, they won't fight again. It won't happen. And so the fight fell through. Uh, it didn't happen. Now they're all talking about it again in September. I still, I'm still holding my breath to say that fight's going to happen. I just don't think it'll happen because I can't see what Triple G could do because he boxed brilliantly. He boxed mm. fast, he boxed sharp, he got boxed smart. Uh, 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 sorry, Canelo boxed fast, sharp and smart. It wasn't good enough to beat Triple G. I don't know how he can improve on that, mm. and uh, and so therefore. Well, the, the the judging did give it a draw, even though we probably uh, yeah, sit here and we both think yeah, that yeah, Triple yeah. G won. The, the 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 reason why they're going again because we had a bit of a dodgy scorecard, yeah, didn't we? Exactly, exactly. But don't be surprised if the fight doesn't happen. Mm. So for 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 Billy Joe, Billy Joe is, is 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 they've got to keep him active, keep him busy. They've got to give him something to do, and he's probably frustrated. Now he's training, he's been out in training camp with the boys, he's he's, he's in the gym, regular, uh, and I think Billy Joe. He's got to be patient and he's got to say, right, get me a fight, get me something, mm. keep me sharp. Uh, you could put him in the mix. Billy Joe's a slick boxer. Uh, the one the one thing from my point of view with Billy Joe, just as a fan, I think whatever whoever he's fighting against, he either comes down to their level or he goes up to mm. their level. So when he fought David Lemieux, and a lot of people are going flipping, like he's going to Canada to fight that puncher. Mugged him off. Oh, he absolutely mugged him off. Yeah. But then when he fights someone like a Willie Munro, yeah. he comes down to that level. You know what I mean? It's... Whereas he should comfortably get, he should comfortably take care of someone like that. Yeah, I think Billy Joe needs the challenge, an elite superstar yeah. to go. I'll show you how good I am. That's what most fighters need. Mm. You need that fear factor to make you box to the best of your ability. That's a good point. Yeah, uh, and uh, because if you don't, that's when you lose. We saw Lennox Lewis lo- lose twice in, in knockouts to guys that he shouldn't have lost to. Yeah, then he came back and fixed that. So that's that's the f- downside, the, f- the, the 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 pitfalls of our sport. You've got to keep yourself up. It's, it's hard. Uh, so where does that motivation then come from, Billy Joe? What type of name is going to get him out of bed at five o'clock it in the morning to, to do his runs? It needs to be a big name, mm. a champion or an ex-champion to get him in there. Because they're talking James DeGale, aren't they? James DeGale. Whether that's that, a catch get, weight or going up to 168. That'd get him up there. Mm. Uh, against James DeGale. It's them kind of fights. Somewhere, someone he respects to think it's good. You know, it's got to be someone like that. Because if it's somebody he doesn't respect, he's a good chance of probably losing to him only because yeah. he's thinking, I can't motivate myself to it. We saw George Groves and Carl Foch in the first fight. Carl nearly did that with George. He didn't respect him. Mm. Uh, and that's what happens. It's, it's, it's human nature. It's instinct. Mm. It is going to be interesting to see how that narrative plays out, especially this year for Billy Joe, because off the back of Lemieux, he was on the crest of a wave. Everybody was raving about it. Let's get him in with Triple G because I want to see him do mm. that now. And then with the two fights that he had scheduled with Martin Murray that didn't necessarily go through, it's going to be interesting to see where he's at in the fans' eyes as well because yeah. they want to see him in with some with, with some proper and guys. And he needs momentum as well. Yeah. you know, uh, And that, that's what he needs, momentum for the fans to say they know of him, they've heard of him, mm. uh, Billy Joe. 
but now they need to, to, to get familiar with him to say, right, he's out again, he's out again, something to look forward to. Right mm. now, we don't know. Mm. Uh, and regarding James, obviously, we just mentioned him there. He's relinquished his uh, IBF crown, and the statement that he put out was, at the end of the day, I'm coming to the twilight of my career now. It's about the big fights. Mm. The big fights bring us the biggest money. And you can't blame him for that. Not I mean, all. the guy's won the Olympic gold medal. He's become a, a two-time uh, world champion. With all due respect, there's nothing more to, to tell achieve. You the truth, there's nothing more to achieve, really, is yeah, there? To tell you the truth, the trouble caused in me thought to myself, George Groves and Callum Smith, why have we not got a date yet? What's going on there? I was thinking <gasps> the same thing. Is George Groves all of a sudden going to say, I'm going to fight the tournament, I'm going to fight James Girl because it's bigger money there, yeah. bigger scalp. Uh, um, I could, And that's what I'm thinking, could that happen? Mm. Uh, for James to make that decision, I get where he's at. Yeah. Uh, uh, Tony Belly's at that position now. He wants yeah. the big money fights. He wants the superstar fights. Why would he go and defend his world uh, cruiserweight title against somebody that we don't know? Uh, why would he do that? When High he risk, can, low reward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Why, why, why would he not want to get in with the likes of Tyson Fury or a David Hayes super fight? You know, why mm. would he not do that? So you go where the dough is because you're at a stage in career where you want to be making as much out of it as possible. Mm. So you can't, again, going back to my point with James, you can't blame him for doing that, Not can at you? all, not it's at just all. A, it's just a case now of who, who is that going to be. Exactly. And my initial thoughts, again, was similar to yours, but then off the back of, let's say we get a date for Callum Smith, George Groves, it's a fantastic narrative there, isn't there? Because yeah. I think, yeah, James has been in with Paul Smith, who's Callum's obviously older brother. Yeah. We know that of the narrative between him and George, so whoever comes through that there... There's a wonderful narrative to make, and there's some decent cash there. There, there are some good fights. Uh, the, the public could be interested in it. Um, the beautiful I, thing as well with that division is that it's all here. Yeah, it's all here. It's I know all, and, some and the like... fight and the fight can be made. Mm. It's not like it's an impossible, impossible tax. The fights can be made, mm. and so maybe James has taken that option. Thought, you know what? I'm just what I'm going to do. Mm. I'm like James has made a lot of money. He just wants to. He's just thinking, why should I do the risk now? I'll just go for the big fights, big money, mm. and that's it. Good on him. Mm. Good on him. No, absolutely, man. Um, well, thank you very much for being in today. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Absolute pleasure having you with us, mate. We will see you uh, ringside in uh, a couple of weeks' time at the O2 Arena uh, for Dillian White and Joseph Parker. We can't see that going the distance, can we? <laughs> no chance. No chance. Gunshot. I'll see you in the middle of the ring. <laughs> <laughs> that's how that's going to go down. Yeah. It's, it's refreshing as well to get some action uh, in July when uh, normally it's... It's close season. Yeah, We've got to wait till September, really, yeah, normally, haven't we? That's right. It's, that's nice, right. it's nice to get a little bit of something during the summer holidays. Um, so make sure you come and join us on TalkSport uh, and Sky Sports as well uh, for that uh, fantastic uh, fight between Dillian White and uh, Joseph Parker. The road to AJ, I'm going to call it. Oh, AJ's, nice. is, AJ's is the Follow road to the yellow bit road. That's it. <laughs> Follow the dollar. Um, this is available as a podcast. Make sure you download it via the TalkSport website or via iTunes. Uh, we will catch you next week here on Fight Night.